It's time for another quarter cast. I'm here with Tecla from the Auto Bar. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for having me, Kelsey. Yeah, I appreciate it. I know you're having a busy day. I really appreciate you making the time. Um, so the big news is that you will hopefully be uh, the official owner of the Auto Bars very soon as we record this on Monday. That's right. So uh, we're definitely going to talk to that, talk about that. Um, beforehand, I, I wanted to, you know, just kind of introduce like who you are. So can you give like a, a brief summary about like uh who you are and, and what you've been up to like are, are you from baltimore for example uh i'm not from baltimore but i've lived in baltimore the longest i've ever lived anywhere else so growing up i was a carny kid actually oh, wow. yeah yeah my dad used to uh invent and build carnival rides and i spent most of my childhood running around the countryside or all of the united states basically uh with my family working the ride so yeah so lived That's so wild <laughs> yeah oh my gosh the stories you have no idea but uh had a very transient upbringing and i decided when i was i guess 19 that i was going to move to baltimore i'd met a friend in college and she was from baltimore and i was like oh baltimore wait a second that's where john waters is from right <laughs> being a big movie buff myself she's like yeah absolutely so i was like all right i'll live there for a while moved here loved it loved that kind of gritty quirk that baltimore has going for it you know blue collar but like deep artist scene mm. which really spoke to me and i've been here pretty much off and on ever since for yeah many many years i have to ask you can you share like the crazy story of working carnivals as a kid um i used to sneak out when i was a kid we had a motorhome and my friend angie uh who was deaf by the way um so she had no um real like she would bang on my door my window to my like where we were staying in the rv really loudly so my parents knew i must have known that i was sneaking out but uh yeah there was an auction uh for, so Angie came and got me one night and took me to where uh, there was an auction. They were auctioning off. Um, and at this time, this was like, I guess the mid-70s or late 70s, there were still sideshows. Mm -hmm. And her dad worked as the magician in the sideshow. But we had like, you know, little people and we had a bearded woman who was very large and also tattooed. And she was being auctioned off as a kind of a, like a general fundraiser and you know good time for for something i'm I, i'm not really sure what <laughs> but i remember uh larry who is the dwarf in the show or the little person in the show he won the auction and just seeing him like run up into her arms like you know and being smothered by her like ample bosom you know <laughs> wow. yeah that's as a, a great image as, yeah yeah that was uh that was definitely something that stuck with me it's like this you know I don't know, me sneaking out and seeing this like kind of secret forbidden, like kooky sideshow, yeah. like after hours thing. So I think that tainted like where I ended up in life a little yeah. bit, you know? Yeah, because th that made me want to ask a little about that. So you come up in this world that's, you know, very different, very entertainment focused. How has that affected who you are today? Like, well, I running a venues. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm m deeply moved by anything other if that makes sense, anything that's other than mainstream. Yeah. So I, I have a penchant for it. I have a deep love 
of it. So anything that's off kilter or not your run of the mill, you know, so anything weird. I'm a big proponent of like everything odd and wonderful. I found I find beauty in the obscure and the extreme and the unusual. It's yeah. a John Waters thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was my upbringing and, upbringing and that's kind of where I've found a fondness like a, and a deep and abiding love for all things bizarro. Now, wait, I'm trying to remember. Did you say you came to Baltimore when you were 19? Yeah. So, uh, would that have, what, would that have been like the 80s-ish? Yeah, or? that was okay. the 80s, yeah. Can you, um, can you talk to me a little bit about, like, what the music scene was like then? Or, or were you involved with that right away? I well, ask. oh, yeah. So, I kind of have punk rock roots. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up, I was definitely into, you know, Black Flag, Dead nice. Kennedys, you know, that sort of thing butthole surfers. So uh, when I moved to Baltimore, I kept seeing all these great flyers plastering light posts like for, you know, these great shows, you know, like the butthole surfers. And I think it was at the marble bar I would see these flyers for. So, but unfortunately I happened to hit that point in time when all the venues had just sort of evaporated. I think the marble bar just closed and uh, so it was definitely not quite the punk rock haven that I thought it was. So, but it wasn't long before I found uh, the Our House, which was they were doing at that time some kind of underground shows and things like that. So my first legitimate show that I went to was just maybe two weeks after I'd landed, nice. and it was uh, the Almighty Senators. And Daniel Higgs was opening from them from Lungfish, wow. and he was doing sort of a spoken word thing, and uh, that's quite the combo. Yeah, oh, and yeah, Daniel Higgs. and it was one of those BG&E fundraiser parties where you just try to keep the establishment, you know, like, you know, you pay a cover in order for them to make their BG&E bill that, oh, that summer. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, but it was intense, and I remember at one point before the Almighty Senators went on. Uh, Danny Higgs had said to the crowd, he was like pulling, you know, ideas for like doing sort of an ad hoc, ad lib kind of poetry, you know, spoken word thing. So someone was like, you know, he went, he's, he was saying something like, beware the, and then he'd point to an audience member and they would say a word. And someone <laughs> said platypus. Oh so he's like, God. beware the platypus, which was okay, bizarre. And then <laughs> at the end of his little slam, he was like, all right enough of this it's really hot everybody get naked <laughs> and everybody got naked <laughs> so amazing. right so my 19 year old mind first coming to baltimore was like this is the most <laughs> awesome place on the planet <laughs> oh, i was man. hooked ever since then it's like you know that's baltimore it's it's mind-blowingly weird if you know like where to look or yeah I just love that. He's like, I've, I've never met him. I've, I haven't seen Lungfish live, but he just seems like such like a wizard that he, he could say really like is. everybody get naked and they do. Boom. <laughs> just clothing just starts flying off of people. <laughs> yeah. <amazing. laughs> uh, okay. So unfortunately at that time you were saying a lot of venues started closing. Um, it, it, there's kind of ebbs and flows and we're seeing a lot of venues close now. Where do you think things stand today? I mean, it seems transitional, transitional, but maybe you're more plugged in than I am on that. Yeah, this is a really hard time, I think, for venues. Right now, we have the gentrification of just about everything. Yeah. So, and while on some, in some ways, it's really great for a neighborhood to have like this injection of, you know, fresh 
you know, ideas, maybe fresh money, developers and things like that. But what has kept the kind of quirk and the charm, if you, if I can go back to that, <laughs> um, of a neighborhood, for example, um, say like Remington here where Autobar is located, uh, you know, it's really, it's very easy for people to just want to cash in their chips on a property or maybe it's, they've been doing it for a long time, you know, and they're just like, they're tired. So it's, or, you know, I'm not really sure how to explain this correctly, but, you know, gentrification is, it's a double-edged sword. While in some things, in some ways, it might be great for a neighborhood and help bolster, you know, and put the, the neighborhood on the map. But in other ways, it kind of takes away the some of the things that made it charming in the first place. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So for me, that was one of the, the motivations for taking over and doing what I could to try to buy the bar. Yeah. yeah I want to keep, you know, that's a shame. We'd, we'd love to gentrify everything and make everything super fancy and she-she and nice. But you know what? Not everything needs to be she she and fancy and yep. nice. Yep. And then where and then what's left for people that were there from the beginning. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about this transition then. Now you'd been bartending here at the auto bar for a very long time. Uh twenty almost twenty three years. Twenty three years. Yes. So how'd you get started with that? Um, bartending or bartending oh, for the auto bar? Bartending for the auto bar. I guess so. We'll I've been bartending yeah, long before that. But uh, so Michael Bowen, the current owner that I'm eventually taking the reins from. He was a friend of mine and I worked at a little bar across the street from a cafe that he worked at as a chef. And he would come over after his shifts were done and uh, we'd chat and talk and, you know, he's kind of a quirky, you know, uh, writer, musician type. So we definitely hit it off. And uh, he would sometimes mention about how he was either going to go to culinary school and become a professional chef or maybe open his own little venue since he's also a musician and i'm really glad he took the venue path instead <laughs> of the chef path well i'm sure he's a fabulous cook uh this is definitely served the community and the musicians uh in baltimore and and the outlying areas a lot better yeah, i think absolutely. so definitely a better bet but uh so he asked me to come on board to try to help him open up the original location that was on Davis Street, right downtown near the courthouse. Right. And um, he he had mentioned that he's like, you know, I'm a musician. I've never really opened a bar before. So do you want to come help me? And I was like, absolutely. I'll come help you. Like, you know, and I've stayed ever since. Nice. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. So you've been here since the beginning. Uh, I'm sure that'll smooth the transition, right? And I hope so. And you guys are still obviously in contact. You, you, he's oh, yeah. downstairs. Oh, yeah. So. I told him I was going to have him on speed dial for the next year or so while I get my sea <laughs> legs with the operations here. Yeah. 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 And, um, okay. So what, uh, I, I don't know quite how I want to put it, but like what, what kind of challenges do you foresee in taking that step from, you know, someone that worked here to someone that runs it? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a, actually a really good question. Um, <clears throat> it's the day-to-day -day operations and the minutia in which that it takes to operate a business that I don't necessarily see. I know how what it takes to run a bar, right, on the that, that operation side. But when you're getting into running a business, that's an extra layer. So, and there's tons of stuff, especially for a venue where we try to have events like seven days a week it's upstairs and downstairs so imagine if you will 
throwing not one party, but two parties every single night of the week or try to. So there's staffing and, you know, it's it's all the boring stuff that nobody wants to really pay attention to Mm -hmm. is now my job to pay attention to. Making sure you have enough, uh, you know, uh, drinks and everything. Yeah, yeah. Between the booze to things people don't think about, like, oh, garbage can liners. Let's do that. We need those. Or, you know, it's like, holy crap, we've got like, you know, 40 people coming in just to like, you know, do a a setup for a play as a rehearsal space or a podcast, if you will. You know, so, you know, so and we definitely try to one of the things that I'm trying to do right now, in addition to just running the business, is pepper the schedule with a, a whole litany of different types of events as well. So like uh, like drag shows, like literary events, like you name it it is something that I'm going to be open for. And so, you know, just the sheer volume of emails and support that I've gotten and people's ideas that they have for how they want to and what they want to maybe do at this place has been wonderful and, and incredibly challenging to try to get everybody in. So, yeah, that'd be really cool to, to broaden the scope. Are, are there any events planned that are not music? Uh well, speaking of literary events and drag shows, I've got two of those on the books right oh, now. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. And um, oh gosh, we just did a gaming event that was we had one eight bit gen where we had actual live consoles, video game consoles set up with uh, chip tune and oh. other bands that were playing. Uh, well, that's band oriented. It was definitely gamer oriented too. But we hosted a. Um, uh, an RPG role-playing game event upstairs in the afternoon that was all ages. So we had kids up here playing with their parents. Oh, that's so, fun. Yeah, so the space is available. And if someone has a great idea or even, like, kind of a crummy idea, but it's <laughs> kooky enough or just, you know, you know, wackadoodle enough, I'm game. So I definitely want to see it and try to make it happen here. That's very cool. That's very cool. Now, in terms of... Um we talked about this very briefly before we started recording, but you know, auto bar is very well established. People know it. Uh, but apart from broadening the types of events that are here, do you have any, um, sort of changes in the direction where you'd like to see it go? Like, I, I, I guess in terms of like, do you have any like different philosophy for the space? Um, honestly, I don't think so. Maybe not here at the beginning. As far as I'm concerned, what I have is a, is a, a gem. It's an absolute gem, and, and it's rough around the edges, and I like that about it. It's one of these things that um, you don't see too often anymore in a community. Outside of even Baltimore, there's like tons of places like CBGBs or Emos that have closed and shuttered. So because we've been so successful like maintaining this operation, I'm a little hesitant to try to you know quote unquote fix what's broke when there's really not much that's broke you know so um maybe streamlining some things and any of the big changes if there are going to be any aren't really going to be for the patrons to see necessarily um it would be more for the bands that are here Mm -hmm. like i want to make the band room more hospitable for the touring bands that come through you know maybe fix the floors here and there, clean the bathrooms a little more regularly, you know, things like that, that just basically helps enhance the experience for everybody that comes and definitely makes the staff's life easier as well. 
I, uh, I read an article, I think it might have been uh, Baltimore Beat, and they quoted you saying that you wouldn't change anything except maybe clean the bathrooms. Definitely clean in the bathrooms. Oh, <laughs> my word. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, so in terms of, like, the, the business side of things, have there been certain things that, like, surprised you about taking on that role? managing the business aspect the sheer volume of paperwork mm. yeah and but honestly things have michael has been very wonderful in the fact that he's available so i might call him up at seven o'clock in the morning and saying like oh my god i don't know what this is tell me what this is <laughs> and he does and he explains it very well so um i'm really grateful of the fact that i have such a great team that have already been in place for you know years and years and years so that me coming in as a new business owner, uh, they're able to kind of really hold my hand in this process. And and I'm a fast study too, so, <laughs> That's helpful. you know, it's super helpful. Um, so you have some support there. Is there, um, is there like a kind of camaraderie among different venue owners as well? Or, or like, is there like sort of like a community there? I think so, yeah. Okay. Have you um, been getting support from, from yeah, others? Yeah, actually, uh, Emil Joseph Weeks from Rituals. He and I just did um, an NPR seg or YPR segment, and I was really happy to see what his vision was and him being able to enact it mm -hmm. as, you know, is a person of color and who is gay. I think that it's really important for marginalized peoples to one, have a shot at like business ownership. I yeah. think that is incredibly important, especially in cities like Baltimore, where the population of business ownership does not reflect the actual population's demographic. No, so I think it's super important that we keep people that have, you know, these ideas and especially in the arts community, we support them. So I'm all about community networking and supporting. And, you know, I love Sarah Werner over at Metro. I think she's done a fantastic job over the years. Yeah, and that's a great space too. Yeah, it's beautiful. The people there are amazing. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, the community at large benefits when operations like businesses like that, we have a camaraderie and a rapport with one another. I think it's extremely important to maintain that. Yeah. Um, so uh, Joseph was on this podcast not too long ago, and we talked a little bit about what you were talking about. Um, cause he has a very clear vision for what he wants to do. And part of that includes a like a diversity element. And so as a, uh, a woman that owns this business, I was hoping you could talk to me a little bit about what that's been like, if you feel like there's been any challenges or if you feel like it's been somewhat of an advantage since you mentioned before we started recording that there's relatively high amounts of women running venues here. In Baltimore, yeah, which is shocking. You would think, and generally, you know, business ownership is a bit of a... Um, it's heavily dominated by men yeah. in general, um, but the landscape now is changing. So, and Baltimore is one of those, I think, exemptions to that rule that proves that this might be changing. So we have, like I said, mentioned Sarah Warner and myself and now Joseph. So people that are considered quote unquote minorities are actually running and operating and owning uh, businesses. And I'd, I'd like to see that be the norm and not the exception to the rule mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's, it would be it would be great you know but uh you know so i have high hopes for that and as far as the programming goes for me it's i it i guess it as a woman i want to see 
um, people that need those opportunities, given those opportunities. So I feel personally um, that this is important. So for me to be aware and make a, a point to give people that don't necessarily have uh, a voice or place for their voice to live, bring it here. We've got you. You know, right. you've you know, you've got a space. That's good to hear. Uh, and so in terms of programming, this is kind of like just we'll start to wind things down because I know you have a lot to do. But uh, uh, bringing up programming, I, I wanted to ask you, what are some of the favorite shows that you've seen here? Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. Oh, everybody asked me this question. And it's, <laughs> it's so one, hard right? <laughs> because you have to understand, Kelsey, this is a. I've seen upwards of 40,000 shows yeah, in my tenure it. here. In my tenure here. This is yeah. counting repeats and everything. So off the bat recently, I want to say Future Islands did a residency here for four nights, which was oh, amazing. Right, did, yeah. And the cool things about a residency, and when I say residency, what that means is that we have a huge band that sells out stadiums, decides to grace our little stage for a series of nights and that's just a phenomenal i love it so much and why i love it is because the band has a different rapport every single night with the audience so it's you definitely get to see in action the kinetics of that conversation and that performance between band and audience and every single night was different it was cool. really really cool and i can't i'm having a hard time describing that to somebody unless you were here and maybe here all four nights you wouldn't be able to to quite you know grok that you know <laughs> yeah. so but uh unsane that was one of the very first shows where i was I was outside of myself watching <laughs> that show. It was so intense. Um, oh my gosh, there's so many, Kelsey. I wish <laughs> I need to just go home and make a list, but there's easily probably a hundred different shows that I've seen here that have just been remarkable. Please so, a bit. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very cool. And are there um, are there acts that you would like to see come here that, that haven't yet? I'm really excited to see the Thurston Moore project. We've got that oh, yeah. coming up in December. That's going to be pretty amazing. There's so much programming that's coming through right now, and I'm super excited. There's this band Trust that's uh, kind of a goth band that I'm really interested in. They're from Berlin, I believe. Um, there's so many. I could I I wish I had a calendar in front of me because I could <laughs> rattle off like, okay. you know, 14 easy do not miss shows. Yeah. But uh but yeah, there's take a look at the calendar. <laughs> it's all there. It's all there and uh I'm really looking forward to all the things that are coming down the pike. Now, did you ever see Sonic Youth when they were you know, I didn't. For some reason, you know, as a big fan, it's just one of those bands that I miss. So, yes, yeah. no, yeah. I, I just I was just asking because I'd be curious to see how that compares. Yeah, to the project, I did get yeah. to see White Stripes at the old venue. That was amazing. And uh, so there were. Oh gosh, I'm trying to think who else. Oh, uh, La Tigra. Oh, nice. Yeah, Bikini Kill. Like, yeah. yeah. So, but Sonic Youth, that was one that I actually missed, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So, I'm feeling like, oh, this is my chance to get to see, <laughs> yeah. you know, some yes, version of that, maybe. Yeah, that'll be really good. That'll be really good. Well, um, let's kind of wrap things up. Uh, so, usually I am interviewing bands and I always ask what advice they would have for other musicians. So, I'm going to adjust that a little bit for you. I, I was wondering if you might take us out on a note of advice for uh, people that are um, take, taking on business ownership, people buying a business? 
Um, it is an incredibly daunting process, but um, I would say get a good team of people, like get a good lawyer. And if you ever have any, your advice is, my advice is to get advice from people who've been doing it. Mm -hmm. So, and doing it before. So, um, as my broker likes to say, how do you walk through a minefield? Is you follow somebody. So, <laughs> that's, that's, a good, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> so, and one of the things that I've been telling people that have asked me is that once I've gone through this process, I am more than happy to help you navigate the process if you're interested in doing the same thing. So, and I'm not sure if I don't want to speak to anybody else, but anybody that's opened up a business um, in Baltimore City knows how baroque it is, just how convoluted and crazy it can be. But there are people that done it and people that are willing to give advice. So absolutely seek somebody else out who's done it and find out what they know because they will be a hotbed, a trove of information, I'm sure. Yeah, that's definitely smart. Well, thank you so much. And I hope everything goes uh, goes smoothly with getting things all, you know, the dot in your eyes and crossing your T's. And yeah, well, thank <laughs> you, Kelsey. It's been a pleasure talking with yeah, you. Yeah, nice to talk to you. Take care.